on this episode of Action Film Face-Off. Before I wish for your annihilation, any last words? Because I was putting myself entirely in Jason's hands. I felt the whole and dangerous decision. <laughs> yeah. Most people yeah. regret that, but <laughs> I do my best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The Longbox Crusade presents Action Film Face-Off. This episode, it's 2015 versus 1986. Two films enter. One film leaves. Two men enter. One man leaves. Two men enter. One man Right, all right, all right. Welcome back to Action Film Face Off. This is a show where two random years are selected. My brother brings an action film from one of those random years. I bring an action film from the other random year. Then those two films do battle using a variety of criteria, and a champion will be crowned by the end of the episode. I'm Jared Ulbrich, The Death Probe. My co-host is my brother Jason, The Weasel Skull. We are both military combat vets who take our action seriously, but not too seriously, so let's have some fun. I think we're back onto a regularly scheduled episode. I think there's anything big or bold about this one, Jason. No special events this month. Nope. Although I will say I've never seen Maximum Overdrive. Kind of a blind fire for me. It was a blind fire for me as well. I hadn't seen Maximum Overdrive either. I'd heard so many terrible things about it that I was like, do I dare? I think that helped it. We'll talk about that tonight. But I think that We'll get into it. We will get into it. Helped it. Yes, indeed. We are going to score each of today's films on a scale of 1 to 10 in five categories. What are those five categories you are probably asking yourself? Well, let me tell you, they're the story, the overall spectacle, the best action scene, the hero, and the villain. And it's still not in that order. 2023, new year, new you, old script. And then there will be the deduction round where up to 10 points can be subtracted from the film's total for whatever we determine is the low point of the movie. Thank you, Jason. We are joined by a sniper this evening. The sniper has just one point to give in each category, so the sniper can sway the scoring a total of five points. Let's meet our sniper for this episode. It is Crusaders Club member and also former military personnel. It is Captain Entropy. Welcome to the show, Captain Entropy. Thank you, Jared, and thank you, Jason. It's a pleasure to meet you both. Well, we're happy to have you here. We appreciate all the years you've supported the podcast. We're excited to, to get you on here. We like to get our Crusaders Club members on the show or shows. We like to squeeze you guys in because, hey, you know, you help pay the bills around here. We might as well get your thoughts on some movies. Right, right. <laughs> Anything and, I can do to help. Yeah, Awesome. Well, you can help by answering the question that all of our guests answer. You've probably been sweating about it all day long, thinking about it, marinating on it. What are three of your favorite action films? And Jason and I will be judging. The first thing I want to point out is that my three favorite action films all have a theme, or there's a common theme between the three of them. So let me see if you can figure it out. And then I'll tell you what's special about the last one. So in chronological order, it's Jaws, 
Raiders of the Lost Ark, and Die Hard. So what do you think is the theme between those three? I was going to go Steven Spielberg, but you took a ride at Die Hard. Yeah, and I was I was like John Williams music, but mm-hmm. Michael Kamen did Die Michael, Hard. Yeah, Michael Kamen on Die Hard. Oh. Right. Just so nobody's doing the Jeopardy music in their heads, I'll jump in with the answer. All of them are everyman heroes. If these guys were in the military, they would have the regular guy morale patch on their shoulder. I mean, I have nothing but respect for all of our brothers in arms who are commandos and ninjas and I value what they do highly, but there's something really entertaining to me about watching a guy who doesn't feel prepared for what's happening level up. Now, nice. Nice. I like that. Yeah. Thank you. And I like your choices. Thank you. So I will tell you what's special about the last one. When I say Die Hard, my favorite movie in the franchise, this might be a little controversial, is not the first one. It's a close second. My favorite is Die Hard 3, Die Hard with a Vengeance. I like that one too. Yeah, because Samuel L. Jackson's just so entertaining. He just adds so much to it. Yeah, I'm a big fan of it, too. I mean, it definitely was the first one that broke away from the one location mold. Good choices all. No, I like all those. Those are, those are really, really cool. Thanks. Now, before our two films enter the video Dome Arena, we are thrilled to kick off this episode with special shout-outs to our Crusaders Club members. These are the fine folks who have joined our crusade. They enjoy early access to special long box episodes and so much more. These are the folks reaping the benefits and giving some much appreciated support to the show. And Helica Wolf. Auburn Elvis. Thank you very much. Blast it or stash it. Braxton Underwood. Clinton Robeson. Captain Entropy, live and on set. Dave Collins, Battle Wagon. Ezra Gallo. Gary V. Gerald Green. Jason Keen. Jason Lady. Jeremy L. Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman. I hope you like Jim Jarman too. Jim Beal. Joe Thomas. John Watson. Josh Strickland. Candace Ward. Captivating Kathy Bright, the MVP. Mark Ross. Maxwell Traver. Miranda W. E.D. Devins. Paul Hicks. Rick from Jeff and Rick Presents. Rob Morgan. Ryan Daly. Samantha Maney. Sean Urbanski. Spidey67. Spreadsheet. Steve Cronin. Tim Time Priest. Podcrasher Price. Tony Pennington. And Toronto Cop. If we miss you on our list, we apologize. Keep in mind, we record these episodes well in advance of release, so if you're a recent edition, we'll be adding you soon. No worries. Just let us know that we missed you by sending an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com, and we will square that away. Now, if you're asking yourself, what's this Crusaders Club thing? How do I become a member? Go to patreon.com slash longboxcrusade. For as little as just one buck a month, you get access to the amazing world of the Crusaders Club, which comes with a lot of benefits. One of which is you get preferential treatment if you'd like to be a guest on the show. And that's how we got Captain Entropy here. So if you want to be like the captain, you got to cough up at least a dollar a month. (laughs) Cough up a dollar to make it happen. (laughs) All right. Come check that out. That's patreon.com slash longboxcrusade. Let's get this thing out of first gear and get back to the combat and learn a bit about the film gladiators about to battle for your pleasure. This episode, I was assigned the year of 2015. I've selected Mad Max Fury Road. What year did the randomizer select for you, Jason? I got 1986, and I also put it to the max and put into our Video Dome Arena Maximum Overdrive. 
We have a fine matchup for this one, folks. Now, it's important to point out this isn't Jared versus Jason. We each had to select from our assigned year, so I might like his selection better than mine or vice versa. This is just about us discussing some beloved action films and coming to a consensus on which one is this episode's champion. Let's do a quick around the room of where we saw these. I originally saw Mad Max Fury Road on the big screen, and I rewatched it off of my Plex server for this episode. I had never seen Maximum Overdrive, so I did that thing. You know, I'm cheap, right? I want to get it for free if I can. I went to Internet Archive, and someone had uploaded their copy that they had taped on VHS tape off of Showtime back in like 1986 or 87. And I downloaded it and I watched it that way because I felt like this is the way this movie should be watched. So I spared myself the $4 rental fee and got it for free off of Internet Archive. So that's how I did it. Jason, how'd you do this? For Mad Max Fury Road, I also saw it on the big screen originally. I have it on Blu-ray, so I watched the Blu-ray. Kind of like you, I'd never seen Maximum Overdrive before. So I did a quick search on my Apple Stick and had to pay $3.99 for it, but in HD from the Apple collection. So rented it from Apple iTunes. Gotcha. How about you, Captain Entropy? How'd you do it? I originally saw Maximum Overdrive in the 80s on cable in my single wide trailer in North Alabama, but I thought I should probably refresh that. So I watched it again for this podcast. I originally tried to see Fury Road at my house probably a year ago. All my daughters were home and there was a lot going on. And anyway, it didn't get done. But Amazon Prime hooked me up. I'm traveling for work right now. So I watched it on my computer for $4 sitting in my hotel room here south of Fort Campbell, Kentucky. Awesome. Well, here is your spoiler warning, because obviously we're going to spoil both of these films. So that's your warning. If you want to pause here and go watch one or both of these films, go ahead and do that. We will join you after this short musical interlude. Okay, we're back. I hope you enjoyed those. Let me jump in with some quick information on 2015's Mad Max Fury Road. In this wasteland, I am the one who runs from both the living and the dead. A man reduced to a single instinct. Survive. We are not things. We are not things. Where is she taking them? I want them back. They're my property. What a day! What a lovely day! Want to get through this? Let's go!
the world fell, each of us in our own way was broken. It was hard to know who was more crazy. Me, or everyone else. Your cast and crew is as follows. It starred Tom Hardy and Charlize Theron. It was directed by George Miller. Synopsis goes something like this. Furiosa is attempting to free the breeding slaves of a Morton Joe. And Max is going to help her. And just about everybody else is going to try to kill them. It's pretty much a nonstop road rage as our heroes go from escape plan to attack plan. And here is your trivia. Trivia item number one. Over 80% of the effects seen in the film are practical. Stunts, makeup, sets, CGI was used very sparingly and mainly just to enhance the landscape, remove stunt rigging, and for, of course, Charlize Theron's left arm, uh, which in the movie, you know, is uh, missing. Oh, they didn't really cut that off? They didn't really cut that off for for this film. But I think that's super impressive when you think back on what you saw. It's really just color enhancements and and removing of rigging more than anything else that you're seeing. I think that's pretty Well, I still know what's going in the deduction round. Uh-oh. Something to look forward to. Warnings. Because she didn't cut that arm off. She didn't cut her arm off. It's a (laughs) no-go. All right. Counting the opening voiceovers and discounting any grunts, Mad Max has exactly 52 lines of dialogue. That's like Arnold Schwarzenegger, Terminator. Levels <laughs> of dialogue. That's right, yes. What's or, that movie uh, where Jean-Claude Van Damme played a cyborg? Cyborg. Cyborg, cyborg yeah. <laughs> I, I think he had fewer lines. Oh, well, that one. And the other one that comes to mind is, we, I think we covered it on the show, too, was um, Soldier, Kurt Russell. Yeah. I think That's right. Had, I think he had less than 100 words. But the words he had were outstanding. There's oh, a yes. quote you guys use in this podcast where it's like, I'm going to kill them. That's right. (laughs) Kill them all, sir. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) All right. Final trivia bullet of my three. And I really like this. George Miller screened some of the footage at the SXSW Film Festival. And after he screened, because it was just a preview of some of the stuff they'd shot for it. After he did that, director Robert Rodriguez, who was no action slouch himself, stood up in the crowd and asked, how the hell did you film that? And I think that's impressive. <laughs> George Miller is an old school guy from the late 70s, early 80s. And he impressed the heck out of Robert Rodriguez, who doesn't make bad action films. <laughs> so that is a compliment, if you ask me. Yeah. I'm having a hard time reconciling the fact that George Miller, in addition to the Mad Max films, is also the Happy Feet guy. But apparently he's versatile. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that either. <laughs> Well, I think they're both movies about limited resources. I'm not sure. <laughs> <Something>. <laughs> All right, over to you, Jason, with, with happy feet and Mad Max blended in your head. <laughs> All I can see is like a penguin driving the car. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you can see that penguin driving a semi-truck with a Green Goblin mask on the front grill, because I'm going to give you the rundown on 1986's Maximum Overdrive. 
Hi. My name is Stephen King. I've written several motion pictures, but I want to tell you about a movie called Maximum Overdrive, which is the first one I've directed. Wow. What in the dickens is going on around here? A lot of people have directed Stephen King novels and stories. And I finally decided if you want something done right, you ought to do it yourself. And who was driving it? I don't know. It was my first picture as a director, and you know something? I sort of enjoyed it. What is going on? I don't know! I just wanted someone to do Stephen King right. You want a war? You got one. I just want to get the hell out of here. So come and spend some time with me and my friends at the Dixie Boy. Spend some time in the dark. Please don't let okay. me in the dark. I'm gonna scare the hell out of you. And that's a promise. You're gonna get us in an awful lot of trouble, man. We already in trouble. Maximum terror. Jesus coming and he is. Maximum king. Maybe tomorrow will be our world again. Dino De Laurentiis presents Stephen King's Maximum Overdrive. The cast and crew included Emilio Estevez, Pat Hengel, and Laura Harrington. It was directed by Stephen King. Synopsis goes a little something like this. As a strange comet passes by Earth, it has the uncanny effect of turning all of our planet's electronics and machinery into murderous monsters. Against this, a ragtag group of survivors, led by an ex-con fry chef, will try to escape from their makeshift garrison at a local diner. Some of my trivia nuggets include, To this day, when asked why he hasn't directed a movie since Maximum Overdrive, Stephen King will respond, just watch Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> I mean, it's funny, but I think it's harsh. <laughs> yeah. As a former cocaine addict, Stephen King admitted that he was, and this is a quote, coked out of my mind when he made this film. And that, that explained up. a lot. Yeah, that adds up. <laughs> and finally, there is a rumor, unconfirmed, but a rumor, that George Romero directed some of the scenes while King was too strung out on cocaine. Fans of Romero point to camera angles and lighting favored by the director for parts of the film. Although he has denied it, King has admitted that Romero was frequently on set and that he often sought advice from the director. He'd be foolish not to. Yes. I mean, right? If you've got a guy like that on set and a whole bag of Coke. (laughs) (laughs) Now we got zombies and trucks. (laughs) (laughs) And now that we have the basics on today's contestants. Ladies and gentlemen, test your might. Uh, Let's get ready to rumble! It's a street fight. fight. All right, folks, let's get 
to it. All right. Reminder of match game. We have two films and five categories, which makes 10 possible matches. I have not seen Jason's scores. He has not seen mine. Place your bets. How many out of 10 do you think we're going to match on this episode, folks? And let's talk about scores just to set your barometer. You know, in case this is the first episode of Action from a Face-Off you've ever listened to, welcome. But let me just remind you that it's a 1 to 10. And if we give it a 5, that means it's average. It's okay. Something you'd see on a good made-for-TV movie. That's what a 5 is. 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Great movie. 4, 3, 2, 1. You have things to work on. With all that out of the way, let's get into round 1. I'm going to kill them all, sir. Round 1 is the story. How engaging or original is your story? We will start with our guest, Captain Entropy. Regale us with your thoughts on the story of Mad Max Fury Road from 2015. All right. The story for Mad Max Fury Road is not the most complex because it's based on a simple plan. I thought, uh, I hate to admit it to Jared, but I thought his synopsis was really good because he concisely outlined what it was they were trying to do and, and the way the story turned around. But like with a lot of simple plans, everything that can go wrong goes wrong. And that's what makes the story so exciting. And of course, the way that uh, George Miller filmed it. Well said. Well said. I agree with you. Jason, your thoughts on Mad Max Fury Road? I agree with Captain Entropy 100%. There's nothing very unique about the story. I mean, if you go back to movies like John Wayne's Stagecoach, it's kind of the same concept, you know, trying to get from point A to point B and having to suffer for every grueling mile while you do it. The trick here was in the execution. The movie makes you feel like you're along for the ride. I just wanted to wash that sand out of my hair and get that grime out of my face, brush my teeth because I hadn't brushed my teeth in three days. That's what I felt like after watching that movie. So although the story was relatively simple, it was well done in execution. I'm going to agree with you on that too, both of you. I think it's a simple story, well executed. I liked some of the subtleties in it, like the developing of trust between Max and Furiosa as the story goes on. My favorite sort of micro moment that showed that was when she caught him when he almost fell off and dude stabbed her. And she didn't let go. I was yeah. like, this is the moment that it's solid. They are now united. <laughs> these two characters. Yeah. For me, it was even earlier than that when they were fighting as a unit going through that chasm, reloading one another's weapons. He's sending her that rifle without hesitation. You know, there were lots of many moments, but you're right. It culminated in that. It would have been the easiest thing in the world to let him go off that truck. And she held on. And there's a point somewhere in there where he goes away to accomplish a task, and then he comes back. And you can tell she's a little surprised he came back. And I think that was a, a big trust-building moment, too. I'll say one other thing that I forgot to say about the story. They do a lot of work at the front to help you understand the world you're in and what's going on. At the very beginning... Even the line delivery is very theatrical, and they're telling you what they're thinking. There's a point where Mad Max is in blood bag mode, and he's strapped to the front of the vehicle, and he's talking about, you know, they've already taken my blood. What else can they take from me? That would just be an expression on his face in another movie. But for the first 20 minutes of this movie, they're trying to get you to get the audience to where they want you to be especially for the folks who haven't seen the rest of the Mad Max series. And honestly, I mean, I've seen the other movies, but I appreciated it. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I felt that when I watched it in the theater too. Yeah, a lot, lot going on. And Jason, I really liked your take too about like how you feel it. 
don't we all feel so relieved when he finally gets that mask off? Like, oh, yes. <laughs> like the way they shot it, you're just like, you want it as bad as he does. <laughs> that guy, he was willing to chew through that mask if he <laughs> get that off of his face. I go back to what Captain Interesty said, too, you know, from them setting it up. I could probably talk all night about this movie. I think it's really incredible. But it, it was, ironically, it was very Stephen King-ish in that they built their own world with their own language. Stephen King does that a lot in like the Dark Tower series. Like it has its own language, but it's it's plugged in words that we understand used in different ways. And it was just really creative. Very cool. Let's shift gears and go to 1986 in Maximum Overdrive. And we'll get Captain Entropy's thoughts on that. All right. So the story is not original at all. It's basically a tower defense, same plot of Plants vs. Zombies, and almost the exact same plot of George Romero's Night of the Living Dead. All you do is uh, replace the dead people with trucks and other machines, and, and you've got the story. I'm going to say that's not a liability in this case. It's a simple story. It's a well-used story, but it's well-used for a reason. And it's one of those things where everybody knows the premise. All that matters is how well you execute it. Yep, yep. It's a tower defense game. I never thought of it <laughs> that way. But uh, Jason, what do you got that? All right, I'm going to caveat this. Stephen King is an American icon. He is a literary genius. If I had a tenth of the writing ability and discipline of one Mr. Stephen King, I could make a living writing novels. Having said that, this story was really just kind of all over the place. I mean, it's kind of embarrassing for me to watch it and think like, this is from Stephen King. Coked out Stephen King. Coked out Stephen <laughs> King. I was, I mean, honestly, I was a little, I was a little relieved because I was like, okay, that explains a bit. Having said that, there were some flashes of brilliance <laughs> in the film, you know. So it's a long-winded way of me saying I didn't hate it. I didn't necessarily like it. It was all over the place. There was a part in there where we just jumped into a love scene, kind of at one point. Uh, the two two main protagonists and I was like, wasn't there a dead body in that room? <laughs> you know, I, was like, I I just had all kinds of questions as we're going along. A lot of the stuff didn't make sense. There wasn't a a lot of continuity of the story. I didn't quite understand the laws and the rules of how this world worked. And again, the cocaine explains a lot of it. But yeah, it's a bit of a mess. Kind of like the synopsis. <laughs> Well, I think our scores are not going to be the same on this one because I, I liked a lot of it. I like wacky, weird things. I thought it harkened back to a lot of those 50s sci-fi movies where you get the really weird combination of people trying to stop some bizarrely crazy thing that's taking over the world. It was a little tonally all over the place. But, you know, I've read a ton of Stephen King and... I kept thinking about like the book Cell. I don't know if you've read Cell that he wrote. It was really good. It's almost like a zombie novel, and it's ragtag, different people from different walks of life having to survive this thing together. And I saw that theme in there as well. And you know, I like bonkers things, so I liked it. But we'll, we'll, you know what? Let's do some scores. Let's find out. Let's find <laughs> All right, out. Let's, let's, find out. let's do it. All right, Mad Max Fury Road, Jason, one to ten. What do you think? You know, it's not super original, but it's well executed. So where are you going to land? I'm going to land at a seven for the story. It's, again, simple story, but well executed. Match game number one. I also have it at a seven. Let's go to Maximum Overdrive, 1986. 
I don't think he's going to give it a seven. Let's find out. No, I'm not giving this one a seven. I agree with you. He's written some stuff. Like I definitely saw a little of uh, like the regulators that he wrote is Richard Bachman. That kind of story seemed to, I see where he might've had some influence from this story to that one, but yeah, it just was all over the place. And uh, I landed on a five. Ooh, made for TV movie territory. But you know what? I could see that. I was more generous. Embrace yourself when I tell you this. I also gave it a seven, basically because it had the one thing that Mad Max Fury Road didn't. Mad drugs. Max, <laughs> drugs and cocaine. No. Uh, <laughs> I like how I said drugs and cocaine as if those are two different things. Anyways, Mad Max Fury Road was not terribly original, but well executed. This was really original. Comet Dust makes machines come to life, turns on humanity. Like if you read that synopsis in that scenario, that's kind of cool and creative. Never seen it before. I gave it creativity points. Now, if it had better execution, it would have overcome. It would have gone higher than a seven, but its execution locked it right in there for, for me. Now, let's go to the captain. He is the sniper. He can make his assertion known. You have one point to give, sir. You're going to give it to Mad Max for the story or maximum overdrive? I want to explain my, my choice here really quickly. We have one movie that was nominated for 10 Academy Awards two of which were Best Director and Best Film, and it won six Academy Awards. We have another movie made by a first-time director who's most famous as a novelist. And I hate it when the sniper comes on and gives every point to one movie. And out of respect for the fact that this is a very time-worn, but very honorable, simple, clear story, I'm giving it to Maximum Overdrive. I don't besmirch you if that's not right word. either <laughs> I, I it's it is a more creative story the than mercy bullet is what it is <laughs> <laughs> you know he'll take it he'll take it <laughs> it is a more creative story the love fest for maximum overdrive might end here in round one <laughs> so uh you know what speaking of the end of round one that's it jason to you for round two that are alive you are coming with me all right, so I got round two, and what we're going to do now is talk about the hero or the heroes, the heroic ensemble, if you will, of both of these movies. We'll start with Mad Max, and we'll start with you, Captain Entropy. What, do you, what are your thoughts on the hero or heroes, Mad Max or Furiosa, basically, of Mad Max Fury Road? I could probably go on for quite a long time about the heroes of Mad Max Fury Road. And in one sense... <sighs> They are everyman heroes, even though they're in a situation and a landscape that might as well be an alien world for us. But, you know, we remember Mad Max back from the 70s. He was a regular street cop. Furiosa is an orphan who came up the hard way and made something of herself in a very nasty environment. They are both people who start out as survivors, and Furiosa is seeking redemption, and Mad Max. He catches wind of that. He grabs hold of that idea. And I think he joins her on her arc. And they're both amazing. I'll probably have more to say about Furiosa when we get to Spectacle because it's Charlie's Theron. So I just, I have very, very positive feelings about the heroes. And not just them, but you see more and more people becoming heroes, catching the train that Furiosa is leading as we go along in this movie. And, and I appreciate the inspiration. 
Well said. Well said. Yeah, I like that theme of redemption, but it's not my my turn. It's Jared's. So, Jared, what are your thoughts on Mad Max Fury Road? Well, Captain Entropy took a deep dive there into these characters, and I just like the part where they were like pew pew pew. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, didn't say I didn't like that. No, no, absolutely. I mean, it's Max Rakitansky, right? We saw him in the late 70s into the mid 80s, and we all enjoyed him. I'd say my personal favorite is probably part two, but that's not what we're here to talk about. He's a cinematic icon. That's dang impressive. I think we've had Mad Max on the show before, didn't we? did the first one. I'm almost positive. We did. Yeah, we've done the first Mad Max. Yeah. Yep. And what an amazing breakthrough, you know, kind of self funded. They were like, hey, we've got a. Simple story to tell. We're going to crash some cars and, you know, and, and it just begat this wonderful franchise, which begat this character who's a cinematic icon. Now, like even like modern audiences who are younger than us and didn't grow up in the 80s, they know who he is. If you say Mad Max, they, they know because he's a cinematic icon. So the real question is, you know, what is Tom Hardy going to do with that? I mean, Mel Gibson made this thing. He's a polarizing character. Love him or hate him. We ain't going to debate that on the show. But the dude made a thing. <laughs> like, he made a big thing. Is Tom Hardy going to live up to that? And the good news is, he did. And he made a darn good movie. And you're right, Charlize Theron, very commonly thought of as a, you know, very sexy woman, a very feminine woman, isn't feminine at all in this movie. And she's just so awesome and fun to watch. <laughs> it's, it's such a great combination. Wow. Just wow. Look for good score. Yeah, it's well put, both of you. The only thing that I'm going to add, just going back to what you talked about in your trivia facts for the film, all the practical effects and stunts that the two of those folks did, the physicality of this movie, amazing, amazing work. Oh, let, yeah. let me add something real quick that didn't make the cut. But even the elderly ladies, the mothers mm -hmm. that they teamed yep. it with, did their own stunts. <laughs> yeah. Did their own wow. stunts. I'd read that somewhere as well. Wow. It, it's incredible. It just the amount of pure physical acting. And the fact that Furiosa, all you need to know is she's doing this for redemption. We don't know what she did. It doesn't matter. We're on board with her. And that's just a testament to these two actors. So well done and well said. Well, we're going to move over to Maximum Overdrive. Do we have the same love for the heroic ensemble for Maximum Overdrive? What do you say, Captain Entropy? There is definitely a heroic ensemble. I don't know that you can get much more every man than Bill the ex-con fry chef. But, <laughs> so we've already established I like that. He does have my favorite line in the movie, which, give me just a moment, I have it written down. He says, you know what gets to me is the stupidity. So I don't know if that was a meta comment. Maybe, maybe not, but I, I did appreciate it. So there's a core group of likable heroes in this. There's a group of people around them who are kind of neutral or unlikable. And I think a lot of them are portrayed as unlikable. So it's okay when the machines kill them. The story doesn't lose the audience when that happens. And some of them, similar to Mad Max Fury Road, some of them become more likable as time goes on and as they start acting more like a team. Overall, not all the greatest actors in the world, not all people I want to see again. I thought Emilio Estevez did a good job. That's it. No, I think that's really well said. I like how you broke down the ensemble there. There definitely were some people like Hendershot and 
the Bible salesman whose name I forget. It's like, you're not really shedding a tear for them. But the waitress and a couple of the others in there, you're like, oh, the Bible salesman laid in the ditch for like a whole day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I forgot about him. And he's like, help me. <laughs> I thought he was dead like 45 <laughs> minutes ago, you know? <laughs> Oh, man. When Bill makes the decision to go after him, he's edging into true hero territory at that point. It's not just survival. Good points. Good points. Jared, anything to add? Man, I think the captain got it really, really good there. It kind of put me in mind of, like I said, those 50s sci fi movies where you get a weird group, or maybe even to bring it into more modern vernacular, like uh, Walking Dead. You know, you see people become heroes who didn't start out like he's an ex-con fry cook, like Captain Entropy said. But it's also Emilio Estevez, which is always kind of fun. He's kind of a charming guy. And he plays that role real well. You could believe he's a punk, you know, punk kid, but he's got something inside of him, you know, some bit of honor or whatever. And yeah, it was fun to watch this group. I mean, it is hard, and we can, I don't know if this will count in the villain round, but it is hard for me to see Commissioner Gordon (laughs) as a scumbag, (laughs) you know? And, uh, and, oh, Captain Entropy, you being uh, from Alabama, much like myself, you've got to love that accent they put on him. Like, that was North Carolina by way of the bayou, the accent (laughs) that they gave that guy. Yeah, Yeah. At least it was a real accent. You know, it wasn't something where you hear somebody talk and you're like, okay, I've never heard anybody from the South talk like that before. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I just laughed. I think I even texted Jason. I was like, well, looks like Pat Hingle got to North Carolina by way of the Bayou with that accent. Uh, It cracked me up. But, you know, I think you said it all. It's it's a fun group. Uh, You know, to what success level did Stephen King, you know, get that all the angles of the group we can debate. But eh, there's some likable parts to it. Yeah, I like that you brought up the Walking Dead theme. I was thinking more like aliens, you know, when you had the the soldiers that were caught in the compound. That's kind of the feeling I had, but I like your analogy as well. And I think it just reinforces the point. There's a good little formula here. I'm not going to spoil my... Well, I guess I'm going to spoil my score because I guess we got nothing to do but score them at this point. So let's go back to Mad Max first, though. Jared, what did you give old Charlize Theron in... Tom Hardy. I started with a seven because I was like, Tom will get a seven if he can live up to the name. And he did. So seven. Then I bumped it up one, bumped up one for Charlize Theron was so good in it. And her character was really compelling. So landed on an eight. I went one higher. I gave it a nine. I thought that both of them, the chemistry between the two of them was something really special. To me, it was elite category. It's rare where you have a pair of heroes that are so well-balanced and they share that time and they both have those moments and the chemistry. And I'm not talking romantic chemistry. I'm talking buddy chemistry in this film was so well-demonstrated. I had to give it up. All right, let's talk about it. We're going to talk about it. We're, this happened, so we're going to talk about it. Maximum Overdrive, what did you give the ensemble of heroes for maximum overdrive well jason i looked at it through this lens i said is it made for tv movie quality yeah <laughs> so that's a five right we started a five and then i liked emilio estevez enough in some bizarre way i liked smarmy commissioner gordon just, just enough like as a standout performance and i found myself really rooting for baseball kid you know to make it 
I did like baseball kids. I liked baseball kids. So I gave it a little plus one. I gave it a six. I gave it a six. You know, I followed pretty much the exact same thought process you did and landed on the exact same score. So six for me as well. Match game. All right, Captain Entropy, it's time to lock and load that sniper rifle and tell me who's getting the bullet. Mad Max and Furiosa, I don't know who you would have to be to get the sniper bullet over them. The sniper bullet goes to Fury Road. All right. Well, that's a wrap. I'm passing it back to you, Jared. That must mean it's time for round three. Nobody's bitch. Round three is the villain. How menacing is your villain? How memorable is your villain? How entertaining is your villain? You learn nothing else from listening to action film face off. Great villains make for great movies. I mean, just got to have a good villain. So let's talk about it. Jason, you get the lead this time. We're going to talk about Mad Max Fury Road. We're going to talk about Immortan Joe. Got a good look. <laughs> right? What do you think? He does have a good look. He also has some legacy tying back to the original stories. I will say that the villainy here is pretty much the well-established gang of thugs that have taken over the world. They've claimed their pieces of land, their territory. They've assembled their armies. They've clawed out their pieces of turf. They're not given an inch. It's an interesting world that they've created. The half-lifes, how they've kind of tapped into that. These young men are dying. You know, they've kind of created their own religion, hearkening back to the Vikings and Valhalla. So the world that they've created itself is just very unique. There are some pretty cool henchmen, his sons, the bullet farmer, the guy from the gas guy that was counting all the, like, doing the math in his head, like, oh, costing us so much money. So there's a pretty cool ensemble there as well. You know, at the end of the day, it was a pretty good matchup against the heroes. I'll just stop there. I think that's a good summary. Captain Entropy, your thought of the villains in Mad Max Fury Road? I think Morton Joe was an amazing villain. I mean, you already mentioned the look. Jason mentioned the cult of personality and the entire ideology that he's built up. He's a person of vision, obviously. He understands the theater of leadership. You know, we've all three spent time in the desert watching him blast that water out at those folks who were standing there with pots and pans and all the water that was wasted as he did it. It just hurt me in my heart, but it was a way to do it that reinforced how much control he had over them and how much water he had, how much power he had. So I think a Morton Joe was pretty epic as a villain. You got one place that makes bullets, which is really important. And one place that makes gas, which is really important. But if you have water, it doesn't get more important than that. <laughs> oh, yep. and like I said, he, he really built something and he had this great look, just real menacing. Everybody was scared of him, <laughs> you know, and they really sold in some of those micro moments. Like he looked at me. You know, he looked at me, you know, like, oh, wow. Like, like it really put that perspective in it. So, yeah, cool, cool villain. In fact, I'm going to throw this out here. Four Mad Max movies. Most memorable villain, I think. It's just me. You might like Toe Cutter. You might like Master Blaster. <laughs> you know? I did like Master Blaster. I find Tina Turner memorable for other reasons. Yeah, well, yes. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> I also have received restraining orders from Tina Turner. Afo after dark. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I was just a typical male. I have a whole bunch of these jokes. Let me just skip right past them. Let's go into. Now we know why our windows were steamy. <laughs> <laughs> I knew, I knew we wouldn't be able to stop once we start. We are rolling on the 
No, I'm going to stop it right here. Okay, let's talk about the villainy, which is very odd in Maximum Overdrive. Jason, you have the stage. As I wrestled with this, the villainy, there were really two types of villains. The machines, which were kind of the obvious standout villains. And then you had characters like Hendershot that were just jerks. We'll just say jerks. I think we, I'll keep it clean so you don't have to bleep anything out. So let's talk about the trucks. They were kind of menacing in and of themselves. I really like the Green Goblin design. I don't know if they got away with that legally. I didn't see anything where they got challenged by Marvel or anything. Or maybe Marvel just thought it was cool they had Green Goblin on one of the trucks. I don't know. But they look kind of cool. Uh, maybe we'll get into it more in the deduction round. But I, I didn't understand like why the trucks were possessed, but they were driving cars all over the place, and that seemed to be fine. I didn't really understand the the rules of the road, no pun intended, for this part of the script. The people part were, were much more interesting to me. I thought Pat Hingle was one of my favorite characters in the, in the movie. Like, his smarminess, you know, as I'm talking through this, it really is all about power. The machines were trying to grab power for whatever reason, and Pat Hingle just had all the power in that little piece of the world. The, his little piece of North Carolina. He had all the power over Emilio Estevez, over the whole wait staff, over the other chefs. He, he controlled everything. He had his own little empire. He wasn't about to uh, let a bunch of machines challenge it. That was kind of interesting as well. So I thought that both dynamics were pretty interesting. I think, again, trucks were pretty much the obvious villain, but I was much more interested in Pat Engel and some of the other smarmy characters in the diner. I'll stop there. Captain Entropy. So Jason talked about the people, so I'll talk about the machines. First, just a side note, I did sit all the way through the credits because I was enjoying the ACDC song at the end, and I noticed that Marvel did give them permission. They made a statement in there that Marvel gave them permission to use. Oh, nice. And then there was the Green Goblin Jack in the Box, and I don't, I've never seen that much Green Goblin merchandise, especially before the Spider-Man movies. So that was impressive. <laughs> but I thought the machines were scary and they were ruthless. And I appreciated that. They were inconsistent. Jared reminded me uh, a few days ago after I watched the movie to be positive on the podcast. So I thought about the inconsistency of the machines and the fact that every time they really needed a machine to be on their side, like their cars or their guns, it was on their side through the whole movie. But see, I think that was a feature, not a bug, because you were waiting the whole time for their machines that they relied on to turn on them. So it was really building tension. So see, I can be positive. (laughs) I love it. I love it. And the last thing I'll say about the machines is the machines I love the best were the ones that really couldn't hurt you, but they were still trying. And I'm thinking about the sprinklers that were going on randomly as Baseball Kid was bicycling. That's right. Yeah. And the clock that was spinning like mad. Like if it could, <laughs> if it could figure out a way to kill somebody, it would. <laughs> yes. I read an interesting theory when I was looking up my trivia nuggets. Somebody said there there was a scene when Emilio Estevez walked by that that military cart that had the M60 on it. it said you can hear like a growl. And so somebody thought that there was actually aliens and they were invisible. And that's what it was. And so I was like, hmm, that's an interesting theory. I don't know. 
I don't know. I just was scratching my head the whole time. I was like, why is this? The clock's trying to kill them, but like these cars aren't. It doesn't make any sense. It could kill both of these cats right now. Just drive them over this cliff. You know what? It's funny. It never even occurred to me. I was just like, it's letting this movie wash over me. <laughs> you you know say that it. <laughs> I was just saying, I'm like, yeah, they were driving around in cars and using weapons. Law rockets, I think, were part of it. <laughs> like, yeah. Anyways. Ah. Let's score this stuff out. Let's go back to Mad Max Fury Road and Morton, Joe, and crew. Jason, one to ten. Have a feeling I might be the low person on the totem pole here. I gave it a seven. I was going back to my when we talked about is this as good as James Bond's um, A View to a Kill? Uh, is he as good as Christopher Walken and A View to a Kill? Mm, I'd say he's he's right up there. So I gave him a seven. As a reminder, Christopher Walken of you two, a kill is a 10. Uh, but we've we discussed have... this before, we've agreed it's sevens across the board, for except a for the villain is a 10. Uh, anyways, we have a match game. I also gave it a seven uh, again. I think he's the most memorable Mad Max villain, but most of them aren't that memorable. This whole franchise kind of lacks a really strong villain in each of its ones. I mean, they're all they're always okay, they're always good, decent, but. This one, I gave a seven. So we have match game. Maximum overdrive. What do you think, Jason? One to ten. Pat Hingle gives it a six. <laughs> Pat Hingle by itself. You got Pat Hingle and you got the Green Goblin on the front of that truck. You're getting a six. You know, I actually had it at a four. I was like, you know, even a made-for-TV movie would have a villain, a decent, compelling villain. This is sort of so nebulous. But then I bumped it up to a five because I was like, yeah, Pat Hingle <laughs> gets me to a five. Hey man, anytime you have a Coke machine just laying out kids in the field. <laughs> I mean, come on. Come on. It's very made for TV, but in kind of the best way. So I'm giving it a five. And now we have to go to Captain Entropy. Did he like a Morton Joe or Killer Coke Machine? What are you going to go with? Okay, quick point about Killer Coke Machine or, or really the whole team in Maximum Overdrive just occurred to me. Emilio Esvez's character, Bill, came up with that theory about how the comet was sent by aliens to kind of be clearing fire and uh, shape the battlefield for aliens who are going to come in and take over. We got no resolution on that. As far as we know, the aliens are still coming. So that's a little disturbing about the happy ending. Well, uh, well Morse code. Too. I want to point this out that Top Gun came out in 86 and Top Gun Maverick just came out last year. So it's not too late for the sequel to Maximum overdrive excellent point and you know they <laughs> they've got room for improvement so i would be willing to see that i would go i go see it with tom cruise in it i'll see it <laughs> maybe independence day was the sequel to maximum overdrive <laughs> maybe so who knows what are you gonna do with that sniper bullet my friend i got a degree in political science at taxpayer expense i can tell you i'm gonna use it right now to say that a morton joe is a dictator par excellence Mad Max Fury Road gets the sniper bullet. Understood. Except for that whole par excellence. I have to Google that, but uh, it's fancy. Anyway, <laughs> that's the end of round three. It's time to die. All right. Well, that makes it my turn again. And we're going to talk about the spectacle. What do we mean by spectacle? Well, we mean the effects. We mean the fight choreography. We mean the score. We mean the soundtrack. We mean cinematography and sets. Everything that you put into the blender and hit that mix button and come out with a beautiful piece of movie art, or maybe not, let's talk about it. 
Mad Max. All right, Captain Entropy, what do you think about the spectacle in Mad Max? Every Mad Max movie is a spectacle movie, but this is a spectacle movie up to the maximum. No pun intended. Okay, so I'll start off. Charlize Theron is spectacle all by herself. I know everybody talks about how amazing it was that they made her look bad for her superstar acting turn in Monster. After watching how amazing she looked with a prosthetic arm and a shaved head covered in grease in this movie, I'm pretty sure that for Monster, they must have used the special effects team from Aliens. I I don't know how they made her look bad. Everything from the landscape to the two-headed lizard to Immortan Joe to the the Half-Life Warboys, those vehicles, the band that was playing as they chased. This movie is spectacle from front to back. Any frame taken out of this film would be interesting to look at all by itself, I think. Well, Captain Entropy's hit on a lot of stuff, but there's a lot of spectacle to dive through here. So I suspect Jared's probably got a few things left to cover. Man, Captain Entropy got a lot of it. In fact, one of my other things I dug up with Trivia Nugget that didn't make the cut was that George Miller said, you know, all these post-apocalyptic movies are always washed out gray. And he said, I don't want to do it. I want it to be full of color. And this movie is just so full of color and vibrance. And like Captain Entropy said, you have that band. The soundtrack literally comes with <laughs> the convoy of bad guys. Like, you it, see it. You it's see it's the right there. Right there. <laughs> Dude, know, right? guitar slash flamethrower, man. There's like every detail was thought of. And we talk about in Spectacle Round, how often you pick up your phone, look at it, let your mind wander, something like that. This has got to be the third time I've seen the movie, maybe fourth time. I don't look away, man. And then what blew me away after that is I thought to myself, I said, What's the runtime of this movie? It's probably about 90 minutes. It's two full hours. It's two full hours that feels like an amazing 90-minute action scene. You don't look away. Everything looks great. So much practical. Creativity. Guys on sticks, like long sticks so they can reach the vehicle. Just the thoughts they had. Shooting harpoons into, into a vehicle and then dropping these things to drag so you create drag to slow down like... The amount of thought and execution, it just, I, I got to stop. It's a 10. It's not time for it, but it's a 10. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. We're not there yet. <laughs> hold that 10. I may have one that matches it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you talked about the color on that. That's what really grabs me. I love that scene when you're looking at that overhead shot and you're seeing the, the little flare, colorful flare guns just exploding over the sky and you're looking down on those convoys it's just it's so gorgeous for this post-apocalyptic scene it kind of reminds me of when like when we did the searchers you know another one that's that's like a dark topic but the scenery and the cinematography so beautiful that it really it just kind of violently juxtaposes the difference between the beauty of the nature and just the viciousness of the people left behind on this planet. Yeah, okay, I've said enough. Let's go over to Maximum Overdrive and talk about the spectacle. And I'll make an argument coming out of the gate. I think there was some spectacle. If nothing else, you had ACDC. You had Who Made Who. Those were some good stuff, but it's not my turn. So let's turn it over to Captain Entropy and let him take it away. 
Okay, Jason, you already took my strongest point, which was ACDC. I'm a bad host. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, no. Uh, it probably deserves to be said multiple times. It was a genius choice. It was probably a moment of clarity through the cocaine haze on Stephen King's choice to get ACDC to do the music. I think Maximum Overdrive intentionally sacrificed some spectacle for gritty realism. You know that thing movies do sometimes, and they, they lampshaded this in Last Action Hero, where everybody, even the people in the background, are more attractive than they would be in real life? Yeah, this movie doesn't do that. They all look <laughs> like real people. In fact, you know that thing that people do in real life sometimes where they narrate what's going on around them, even though it's really obvious? Like, you know, you've been in the desert in the Arabian Peninsula for two weeks in August, and people still want to talk about how hot it is. Um, <laughs> there were guys doing that in this movie, talking about, wow, that, you know, that gas station's really blowing up. Yes. Yes, it is. We see that. None of that is good for spectacle, but it was good for realism. Other things I liked on spectacle, the growl from the N60, previously mentioned. I thought that was cute. The sunset that they showed. And it was kind of the classic 80s static sunset shot that you see probably on Miami Vice a couple times a season, but it was a pretty shot. And oh, watching the Green Goblin truck blow up and its eyes glowing red before it blew up. And that's all I have to say on Spectacle for Maximum Overdrive. Well, that's a really good summary. Real quick, when I was going through the trivia nuggets, I read that um, Stephen King asked ACDC if they would do the soundtrack. At first, they were kind of wishy-washy on it, but he sang to them all the lyrics of Ain't No Fun Waiting Around to Be a Millionaire. And they were just so impressed that he knew all the lyrics. They were like, okay, we got to do it. <laughs> so so he, he literally serenaded them into doing it. Wow. All right, Jared, take it away. What did you think about uh, Maximum Overdrive and the spectacle? Prolific writer and cocaine karaoke expert. <laughs> <laughs> it had it. It did, it did have some spectacle. Again, do I want to put the phone down and wander? Not really. I, I watched it all the way through. I mean, Captain Entropy really took it to heart when I was like, you know, I talked to him, but I talked to all people behind the curtain, folks. I talked to all our guests. I'm like, hey, you know, I don't need you to come on for an hour, hour and a half on our show and just be like, this movie sucks. That's not a fun podcast. <laughs> so, like, find neat things to talk about if you can. It's okay to criticize, but, you know, find neat things. And he just gave us a great list. He was like, the sunset shot, blah, blah. To me, the spectacle was like ACDC and the homicidal Coke machine. <laughs> like, that's all I really needed. Although I did enjoy some of the other stuff, but compelling. It was compelling. Like I, I wanted to keep watching. I didn't want to check my phone. It didn't overstay its welcome. We talked about runtime in the last one. I think this movie ran at right at maybe 90 minutes. And this kind of movie that needs to run at about 90 minutes, you know? It didn't overstay its welcome, which made me really happy. There was just enough bonkers things. You know, I love bonkers things. There's enough bonkers things to watch from a Green Goblin truck to an M60 that does what it wants to a Coke machine laying out kids on a little field. I, I keep coming back to it, but it's... Anyway, that's what I got. No, I agree. I, I got to admit, when they opened up with that scene on the bridge that drawbridge scene, I was really drawn into. <laughs> no pun intended, but I was drawn into it. And yeah, there were some things where I was like, that's pretty clever. That's pretty fun. So yeah, I agree. I'm not going to hate on this movie at all. Matter of fact, let's score them. All right, Jared, Mad Max. It's Do a 10. To- it's a 10. Flawless victory. I mean, every facet of it from what you see to what you hear. <sighs> you watch this movie and at certain points in the movie, 
you're thirsty. You just want a cup of water. Yeah. Just from watching a movie because they make you feel like you're there. You mentioned that, Jason. They draw you in. They oh, draw you in. And we talk about how beautiful it was shot. I got to draw. I'm Kathy on this episode. Another trivia nugget. The editor of the movie was actually George Miller's wife. And I read somewhere that they actually shot, I think, over 400 hours of footage that she had to edit down into two hours. That's which, incredible. Which is how you get amazing shots from every single shot. So, wow. Man, Ten. she picked the right ones. I mean, it was flawless. That's the only thing that I can say. Every stunt, every scene, every chase, just not a moment wasted. Perfect angles, perfect tension. Makeup yeah. effects, how the characters look, everything. <laughs> Vehicles, everything. Yeah. yeah, this is a 10 that I, yeah, that. Flawless victory. 10s, just 10s. Possibly 11s if Captain Entropy has anything to say. But before we get to that point, let's talk about the spectacle for Maximum Overdrive. Where'd you land there, Jared? You know, good category for Maximum Overdrive here. I gave it a 7 because I thought 5 is made for TV. I mean, you've got, I talk about the Coke machine a lot, but factor that in, you got the ACDC. I was chuckling at the beginning when the signs were the first things that started changing with all yes. of you and you're an a-hole or something like that on the ATM. It was just enough to like use the drawbridge scene. Like it, it just kept me invested. So yeah, I'm going to give it a seven. I didn't quite go that high. I gave it a six. Again, went up against that view to a kill and said, that eh, was a quake there. I have no experience with the Zoran written on the side. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I landed on a six. But Captain Entropy can sway that score one way or the other. Which way are you going with the sniper bullet, Captain E? In Fury Road, the spectacle is so good that the people in the movie stop and stare at it sometimes. So the sniper bullet goes to Mad Max Fury Road. Not really a big surprise there, but you never know. You got to play these things out. All right. Well, I'm wrapping up my category here, putting a bow on it, and I'm going to pass it to Jared. All right. That must mean it's round five. Round five is the best action scene. Jason's uh, broken them down. (laughs) Jason and I were talking last night. We recorded something else, and afterwards we were talking. He's like, yeah, how am I going to break down these action scenes on Mad Max Fury Road? I'm like, it's pretty much one, and it's called Mad Max Fury Road. I mean, gosh. So Jason's going to break them down. You know, he loves to do it and make up funny names, and and we'll see how we feel about them. But let's start with Fury Road. Jason, how did you break that down? How'd you do it? Well, and some of them are funnier than others, let's just say. <laughs> I do well, you got to give them, you got to give them lows so the highs feel higher. <laughs> Cocaine right. King gets this whole concept. Let me break this out here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> So you're right. I started this thing like, oh, opened up with an action scene right here where Mad Max gets chased by those guys and then ends up trying to escape from the thing. And I just driving myself crazy. So finally, I just said, you know what? There's basically four high octane chase scenes in here, and I'm just going to lay all four of them out. The first one is chasing Furiosa into that storm. That whole scene from when they have to fight off those whatever that rival gang was with little porcupine cars and everything. And then the main bad guys find Furiosa. And then there's that big chase into the storm for that one. I went back. This is an homage to Gary Larson in the far side. I call this one. I've got something in my eye. Could be sand. Jason. 
<laughs> All right, I rewatched this movie, you know, for the show, and I watched it with Johanna, and it is exactly what I said. <laughs> After the Sam <laughs> Payne kind of got up out of that, I said, I think he's got something in his eye. Oh, it's probably Sam. Gary Sam. <laughs> <laughs> Love it, Gary Larson. The second one is when they get to the past, where she made that deal, and then they have to do the run through the past with Joe on their tails and people in the past trying to double cross them. I called that one, We Will Rock You, because there are lots of rocks. A lot of rocks. Yeah. Not my best work. The third one was the battle in the mud flats, where that was just, oh, that was so agonizing, because they're like literally chasing, you know, trying to go inches at a time through that thing. Oh, what a good scene that was. But I called that one, hey, wipe your feet. Don't track mud in my war, my war rig. What are we, savages here? <laughs> And then the last one, Jared, as you put it, this is where they were like, okay, we're, we've run out of places to run. We just got to turn around and go back. They go back onto the attack, the battle for the Oasis. I call that one, what are we waiting for? <laughs> so, <stupid. laughs> so those are the four. All right. Well, of those four, which one was your favorite, Jason? Oh, man. It's a Sophie's choice on these. It really I, is. You can pick I any mean, of them. I, I, and I'll admit that the fourth one, the last one, was the biggest mayhem-inducing action scene of all. But I went with the first one, that Into the Storm. I saw that on the big screen, and I was just, like, mesmerized. That sandstorm had lightning in it and just picking people up. And, it, oh, it was just so crazy. And then I watched it again for, like, like Jared, like you said, the third or fourth time, and I'm just mesmerized again. It just draws me in every time. So I'm going to go with that one. I've got something in my eye. Could be sand. <laughs> so funny. Captain Entropy, what was your favorite action scene? I'm going to go with the same one, honestly, because I took no notes during this. I just let both movies wash over me when it came to action scenes because I was putting myself entirely in Jason's hands. I felt the whole and dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Most people yeah. regret that, but <laughs> I do my best. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go with the storm too. Got something in my eye. It might be sand because a, I also love far side and B I I've never been in a sandstorm like that one, but I've been in sandstorms like you guys probably have too. And, mm-hmm. and I know how it feels. Yeah. I've never seen one like that. I would probably uh, mess myself if I did. Well, Captain Entropy, I made a similar mistake as you, and I relied on Jason. (laughs) (laughs) But Jason, you did a good job, really, because I I was like, man, I don't envy him on this movie at all. Anyway, I picked What Are We Waiting For? Is that what you called it? Yeah, yeah, Battle for the Oasis or What Are We Waiting For? Because I I was thoroughly enjoying all of them, but almost a micro moment, like, Max was hanging, and was it the part where Furiosa was holding him? Might have been, but then, like, oh boy, whose name I can never remember, the war boy that kind of teamed up with them. Knox. Knox. Yeah, I think of him as the beast from the X Men movies because that's who he he is. In case you didn't realize, see through the makeup. Yeah, he plays the beast in the modern X Men movies. It's a really cool scene because he kicks him and he flies out onto like somebody, it might have been his own old car, he landed on somebody else's car. And then, like, he has to go through this series of, like, God, you know the board game Mousetrap? He went through, like, gosh damn Mousetrap to get back <laughs> on the truck he came from. And I'm just keeping up with all because he ends up on somebody else's car, then somebody else's car, then he ends up on one of those sticks. And then it's it's insane. And I just loved watching all of it. So that's what just tipped the scales, uh, no pun intended, 
part of the whole sticks thing, but tip the scales for me because it was just so much fun watching him get booted off the rig in order to save him and then make his way back to the rig. <laughs> the that chaos. was cool. That was really you know, cool. Just really cool. And so many other cool things going on in there. The death of the seed keeper lady was so noble. I love the way that she had a, like a smile on her face when she passed. It, it, through all that, you know, she did yeah. the hardest life and had the crappiest death by chainsaw, but she knew, she knew that something good was coming out of that. And that yeah. it just felt good. Like it just had yep. so many micro moments. I loved it. Uh, look for a high score. Let's go to Maximum Overdrive and see what Jason has for us on this one. So, this one, again, this was kind of tough because there were like little scenes just sprinkled all over through it, but I narrowed it down to five. The first is the bridge opener at the drawbridge. I called that one, like a bridge over troubled water, I will slay thee down. (laughs) Slay thee down. (laughs) I was proud of that one. Yeah, that's good. The second one I went to was the baseball field, because I knew I had to include it. Jared loved it so much. (laughs) I could watch it on repeat all day. I'm a sick person. (laughs) I called that one, put me in, Coke. I'm ready to slay. (laughs) Coke. I'm ready to slay. I'll sing it out for you. Dude, uh, are all these going to be lyrics based? I'm wondering because we're two for two on lyrics. No, no, not all of them, but the top two were. Jason, can I give you an alternate title just popped in my head? No, that was a perfect title. You may not. Didn't I? Okay. <laughs> no. Go ahead. Go ahead. These sugary drinks will kill you. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good one. Okay. Oh, man. All right. Third one. There's kind of a lot of stuff that happened here, but it was trucks encircling the diner, various little scenes there. I called that one laying down the law because they used the law. Used the law. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The fourth one is when they go out of the tunnel. And they're actually trying to rescue the Bible salesman, but they end up rescuing the kid. I called that one, uh, your dad's dead, kid, hit the showers. <laughs> <laughs> Half of that laugh I just had was because like every time I think of that, that salesman been laying in that ditch, I don't know why that's so funny. Yeah, me. Oh God, I'm still out here. And then the the last one was escaping the siege, and then the final showdown with the Green Goblin truck. And I called that one. Uh, maybe we should have done this in the beginning. <laughs> I, I don't know why they didn't shoot the leader truck in the beginning, but at any rate, so those were the five. The answer to every question that doesn't make sense, cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's right. All right, Jason, what was your favorite action scene? I think I like the truck circling the diner. I like Mr. Hendershot out there with his, his law rockets and taking out the trucks. And I thought that was a that was a funny and entertaining scene. So I'll go with the trucks encircling the diner or laying down the law. I like it. I like it, Captain. I'm immediately discounting the first two because the humans were not in position to fight back. So I, I don't think they count. What was the one where they tried to save the Bible salesman and save baseball kid? Uh, rescuing kid or your dad's dead kid hit the showers. All right. Yes. Your dad's dead kid hit the showers. I think that was their noblest moment. And they showed a lot of uh, guts in that scene. So I'm giving it to that one. I like that one as well. Good choice. Good choice. Yeah, I'm going to agree. Just that was going to be my favorite one too. I liked that. Uh, that one had me the most invested too, when they were like going through the sewers and like the rat was there and all that stuff. I, I liked it. So 
I'll join you on that one. Even though you know I love the Coke machine. <laughs> I know. I really I, I put that thing Coke machine in there because I knew you loved it. I so know, much. I know, yeah. but ultimately cinematically I like the rescue of baseball kid. Your dad's dead. Hit the shower. <laughs> oh, let's go back and score them. Jason, one to ten for your Mad Max scene. You like the sandstorm? Ten. Flawless victory. Ooh, hot chocolate. He gave uh-huh. it a ten. Man, I feel like I should have match game you. I gave mine a nine, but it's one of those movies where I give literally all the scenes a nine. I don't know. I think for some reason in my head to get a ten, you have to be like doing Jackie Chan stuff. Like for me to go like, how the heck did you do that? You know, although there's a bit of that going on here. You know, like Robert Rodriguez said, how did you shoot that? <laughs> Yeah, oh, well, yeah. I'm not apologizing for my 10 one bit. No, I don't, don't, don't at all. I have it at a nine, which I thought was like, and again, I want to reiterate, probably give a nine to all the scenes, really. Mm-hmm. It's just that good. It's just that good. Maximum Overdrive, you gave your scene of the circling trucks. I gave that one a seven. I thought there was good tension. And it, was a, it was kind of a fun moment. They were letting off some tension, and the humans were starting to fight back, so that was fun. And I liked your scene as well, Jared, and Captain Entropy. I, I thought that both of those, in my opinion, deserved at least a seven. So seven for me. All right. I ended up giving mine a, a six. You know, I thought it was good. It didn't blow me away. Uh, I guess in, when we got to the final round, I was wearing down and getting sleepy. And you still had energy because you were one point ahead of both of those. <laughs> Captain Entropy, let's, I feel like this is academic. Which movie had better action scenes? Mad Max Fury Road, no further comment. All right. None needed, sir. None needed. Man, such a such a good movie. All right, that's the end of round five. Is that your best? All that's left is to uh, take some points away. Uh, it's the deduction round time. It's time to minus it. Jared, are you going to minus any points from Mad Max Fury Road? Yes, sir, I am. Minus one point from Mad Max Fury Road. Again, we're not going to discuss anyone's personal or political feelings about Mel Gibson, but he deserved to be in that movie, and he wasn't. And I was just like, because the whole time I watched this movie and it was new in the theater, I'm like, for the longest time, I thought he was under the makeup for a Morton Joe. I was like, oh, please, God, let that be Mel Gibson under that makeup, or just a cameo or something. I I hope it was his choice to not be in it or conflicting schedule or something, because if it was a conscious choice to leave him out, unacceptable. Again, I'm, there's, I'm certain there's listeners that have different opi- opinions on the man, but he built that franchise and he deserved to be there. So minus one for no Mad Max or <laughs> listen to how I phrased it to no Mel Gibson to who <laughs> in my head is Mad, Mad Max. Max. Exactly. So aside from that, it was a dang perfect movie. That's the only thing that kind of upset me a little bit. I was like, I can't believe we couldn't get that guy into at least a shot. Well, if that's the case, then Sean Connery should have been at least every James Bond movie. That's true. I wouldn't argue with that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, I'm not taking any points off of Mad Max Fury Road. It was darn near perfect in my estimation. Let's move over to Maximum Overdrive. Jared, any points that you're going to take away? Minus one for no Mel Gibson, period. (laughs) (laughs) No Charlie Sheen, man. Julio Estevez, no Charlie Charlie Sheen. Sheen. Where was Joe Estevez? Martin Sheen should have made a cameo, too. (laughs) They could have showed him as the president. Trying to figure out what was going on with all these machines. That's right. He played the president before, I think, mm. in the dead zone. Christopher Walken. Anyway. Also the West Wing. So Yeah, that's true. Oh, I'm not good at TV. <laughs> Sorry. 
Hey, I think I made a joke in it. This is going no, no, Jason. I'm not, I'm not taking any points away from Maximum Overdrive. It is what it is. It's silly. It's bonkers. It's a little bit stupid, but it's kind of why I like it. I got three points coming off of this. Yeah, we haven't had a minus three in a while. Let's hear it. I think it's my first minus three ever. Minus one for them just jumping to post-sex scene in the room with the dead guy. That's just ooh. That's <laughs> that just ooh. definitely felt shoehorned in there, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, that just got thrown in. Was, and they just showed the dead guy. Like, come on, man. Minus one, you don't reload a law rocket. So, yeah, take Oh, your- did they commit that sin? Because I hate that in movies, too. I must have just not been paying enough. Att- I must have been enjoying the explosions too much. He reloaded it? I thought he yeah. had multiple ones. No, he was reloading. Yeah. Oh, I don't like that. Again. No, I don't like that. Good good catch, Jason. I missed it. The back blast was also shown as front blast. Ah. In mm. minus one, and I've touched on it already, Like the rules just kept changing these machines and i didn't like it i was like how is the m60 firing how is it swinging around yeah cocaine that's that's not an acceptable answer minus one i have that problem in a lot of movies like especially when they we have an emp pulse i can't remember what movie it was i saw where they did emp and they're like no the machine guns aren't working and i'm like I think it might have been a gi joe movie and i'm like they're mechanical they're not electrical right exactly I know prized it, though, by saying G.I. Joe Tech is so advanced it had some electrical components. <laughs> of course. So, yeah. So, those are my three. Minus three. That's fair. I'm mad at myself for missing the Law Rocket thing, because that's like one of my big movie bugaboos is reused Law Rocket. <laughs> I know we say we don't take our military experience too seriously, but that's a pretty serious yeah, That one bugs me, too. I'm just surprised I missed it. All right, Captain Entropy, what grievances might you have with any of these films? So one thing about Maximum Overdrive, I know I I don't get to take off any points, and every other complaint I had about the movie was already said, but this is the worst continuity I've ever seen in a big-budget movie. They usually pay somebody to make sure that the wine glasses all have wine at the same level and the cigarettes burn down to the right length and whatever. So the drawbridge scene... The drawbridge is at 45 degree angle, then it's at a 15 degree angle. Yeah, I noticed that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And some of the cars were like going the, the opposite direction. The yeah. <laughs> I guess I kind of knew what I was getting into somewhat just because over the years I've heard people just pan this movie at so much that I think it helped I, it. It did. My, my bar was low, man. It was really it's low. better than Temple of Skulls. That is a low bar. It's the, the extra <laughs> face off bare minimum right now Mm. okay everybody that's the end of our official rounds all right folks don't worry if you haven't been keeping up with the math at home we do that for you at action film face off but real quick as far as match game went we had four matches tonight so if you guessed four then you guessed right as far as sniper bullets went we had four bullets go to mad max fury road and just one to maximum overdrive and that was for the story and looking at the judges' scorecards, with a score of 87 to 59, the winner of this episode of Action Film Face-Off is... Mad Max Fury Road. Well, congratulations to Mad Max Fury Road. But now it's time to head over to the randomizer and find out what the years are going to be for our next episode. 
my brother Jared will be pulling a film from... Choose Your Destiny. Nineteen seventy-three, and I will bring a film from. Choose your destiny. Nineteen ninety-two. What will those films be? Well, we're going to tease them on social media for those of you who want to watch before listening, and we know you like to do that, Dave. So this is all for you. Or you can tune in next episode to find out. Until then, I'm Jason Weasel Skull Albrick, and you can find me on social media at Weasel Skull on Twitter or Jason Albrick on Facebook and Instagram. And you can find me, Jared Albrick, the Yard Sale Artist, aka Death Probe, at Yard Sale Artist, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. Where can they find you, Captain Entropy? Or are you hiding in the shadows? Anywhere on social media that needs more chaos and disorder, Captain Entropy is there. And so far, that's nowhere. So I'm hiding in the shadows. <laughs> understood. Understood. Thanks for being here, Captain. You've been uh, a lot of fun on this episode. That's the funniest answer I think I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having me. Be sure to check out all the shows under the Longbox Crusade umbrella by subscribing to Longbox Crusade on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you're listening to uh, your, your podcast. Or you can always check us out directly at www.longboxcrusade.com. If you'd like to send a question or a comment, you can do that couple different ways you can hit us up at social media at longbox crusade that's twitter facebook instagram and youtube and action film face off has its own twitter as well if you want to comment or question or whatever you want to do it's at affo podcast and of course you can leave us a voicemail at 707-532-5269 that's 707-532-lbox pick Pick up up the the phone. phone Hey, and if you have time, come check out one of our live stream events over on the Longbox Crusade YouTube channel, usually the second Sunday of every month, around 3.30 p.m. Central Time. Check it out. We'd love to see you in the chat. And hey, thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you listening. Until next episode, keep your head down and your your knuckles knuckles up. up. The intro and outro theme to this show and all of our action film face-off shows are done by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You will not regret it. Yes! <laughs> this was a good one, too. Oh, good. Thanks. <laughs> oh, it's, so, it's, it's good times. I love it. I don't have a lot of range. <laughs> Me neither, but we still do it. Jim Meal. Jim Meal. Dang it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I say, hey, we podcast with Pat. We're used to this. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> I can mispronounce some things, too, if that happens. <laughs> yeah, <it's not> so- <laughs> this cat is driving me crazy.